What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Major Garrett, and welcome to our new podcast. Did you know we have a new feed completely separate from the takeout as well? Please just search Debriefing the Briefing. Click subscribe, and then if you can, and we'd really love this, drop us a rating and or a review. Pretty soon, you'll have to be subscribed to the new feed if you want to hear new episodes of Debriefing the Briefing. Thank you, and now let's start the show. I don't think anybody can feel any worse than I do about all of the death that's so needless. But I also have to make sure that we handle the situation well. You are traveling to Arizona. Will you wear a mask? Uh, I'll have to see the climate. I mean, I'm going to look at, see, you know, where I am. Have you seen anything at this point that gives you a high degree of confidence that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was the origin of this virus? Yes, I have. And I think that the World Health Organization should be ashamed of themselves because they're like the public relations agency for China. From CBS Audio, this is Debriefing the Briefing. Here's CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent, Major Garrett. Hello from Washington and welcome to Debriefing the Briefing, a summary of the Daily White House Coronavirus Task Force Briefing. No briefing April 30th, but still plenty of COVID-19 news. The federal guidelines expire midnight April 30th, which means governors from now on will be in charge of the reopening of their economy's process in accordance with general but not specific federal guidelines. President Trump made news late April 30th, Thursday, by saying he has seen evidence that COVID-19 came from a lab within Wuhan, China. He was asked about whether or not that was intentional. He said it was, quote, incompetence or a mistake. The president was also asked by reporters today about Operation Warp Speed, which is a coordinated federal effort to engage multiple commercial labs across the country in a breakneck pursuit of a vaccine for COVID-19, not only its development, but its production and its distribution. Millions upon millions of doses of as yet unachieved vaccine by January of next year. The president told reporters he was not over-promising in this pursuit. And then there was this. Who's in charge of that Operation Warp Speed? Uh, We have, uh, you know who's in charge of it, honestly? I am. but. I think probably more than anything, I'm in charge, and I'm the one that gets blamed, and I get blamed anyway. The president also said he was not worried about maintenance of the American food supply, adding not even a little bit. There was an executive order from the administration earlier this week declaring all those in the food supply chain dealing with protein, meaning poultry, meat, and pork, as essential parts of the national infrastructure, keeping them open with specific guidelines on worker safety. President also appeared Thursday with Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey, a Democrat who said in that state, the COVID-19 deficit will be 20 billion to 30 billion. And he said there will be a need for federal assistance. We talked about the issue of China generally 
with another voice in the American political conversation, Colorado Democratic Governor Jared Polis. The first question we posed was not only what is China's accountability, but how it might become something of a political issue as the campaign develops. I don't need to tell you, but China has already become a political football in this. Is it possible to discuss what China failed to do and its unwillingness to live up to international commitments without politicizing it? Yeah, I think it's important to discuss what China failed to do along with what United States failed to do, Europe failed to do, the World Health Organization failed to do. I don't think it's a time to point fingers at one another. There's a lot of blame to go around. And I think discussing the blame that China deserves in the same uh, context as the blame that United States deserves, the World Health Organization deserves, and Europe deserves uh, is very appropriate. What from your vantage point, Governor, did China fail to do? Uh, well, there was it looked like there were some short-term delays uh, in reporting. Uh, initially, um, perhaps a, uh, um, failing to acknowledge the seriousness of this threat. And again, that's the same thing American leaders did, the same thing many European leaders did. So it's, uh, I, think it, I don't think it stems from a <clears throat> nefarious place. I think it stems from human psychology. We like denial. Humans love denial. We like to deny that this is a enormous threat. And Chinese leaders reacted in a way that wasn't too different than uh, early comments by our own president and American leaders and by many European leaders, uh, minimizing the threat and the danger and not taking the early actions needed to counter it. An ongoing conversation in this country about COVID-19 is the availability of testing and what states are doing to reach that. In Colorado, Governor Polis has set a new goal for that state by the end of the month of May. We discussed that with him as well. Uh, You set a goal for the end of May in Colorado, 8,500 tests per day. Is that doable, or do you think you might be able to exceed that? Uh, I hope that we can exceed it. We have a number of suppliers. We've imported 100,000 tests from South Korea successfully. Uh, We should be starting the month of May uh, at about 5,000 plus hopefully ending the month of May around 8,500 to 10,000 per day, as needed, as needed. Uh, We want to make sure we're continuing to test asymptomatic folks that are working in nursing homes to help keep the infection out, as well as folks who are symptomatic uh, to see whether it's COVID or the common cold or the flu. You mentioned South Korea. There was also reporting that the federal government had promised supplies by the beginning of this coming month, May 1st. Have you received those supplies? And why did you need to go to South Korea? Uh, yes, this is the very first uh, major supply drop that's been promised from the federal government. Uh, I don't think they're going to hit May 1st, but I think that first week in May is what they told us. They've had calls with all 50 states. They've let us know what to expect during May. Uh, of course, we can't count on it till we've seen it. Um, but we had to, of course, uh, establish our own supply lines. We have an innovation group. We brought in private sector leaders, public sector leaders, and we've been able to uh, purchase our own testing from South Korea. Communicate to the country, if you'd be so kind, Governor, the situation at JBS Meats in Greeley. Yeah, so uh, we have a number of um, uh, meatpacking facilities in Colorado, Cargill, JBC, JBS, uh, Laprino for dairy. Uh, JBS had a major, major outbreak. Um, I think we've already lost uh, five workers there, just just tragedy, hundreds, hundreds, uh, if not thousands, um, likely with COVID-19. Uh, uh, it had a, about a two-week closure. Uh, we have provided community testing at a site about a mile from the plant. We've tested over a thousand people in Greeley uh, earlier this week, last week. So uh, we're doing everything we can to make sure A, the workers are safe and B, that uh, the plants are back online because we uh, rely on our food supply uh, nationally. Supportive of the president's executive order, identifying this as critical infrastructure, and do you believe under the guidelines established in that executive order, worker safety will be carried out properly 
Well, you know, we're still parsing the, the, the legal language. Uh, we hope that there's nothing that stands in the way of me as governor taking the steps necessary to make sure the workforce is safe. Uh, the federal government is supplying personal protection equipment, uh, masks to the workers. We have asked them, and I discussed with the vice president, additional testing um, so that we can do spot testing and removing asymptomatic people who might be contagious from that workforce. Treat it like, uh, for instance, the way we treat our nursing homes in our state. We don't have the additional capacity to take that on as a state. But for these plants of national and international significance, I think it's important the federal government step up and help us keep them online in a safe way. What has been the situation in Colorado in terms of food banks, the necessity for them, the lines, and the ability to meet the need? Yeah, it's um, it's it's been challenging like it has elsewhere. I mean, a lot of Coloradans are out of work. We're, they're grateful for the $1,200 the federal government uh, sent everybody, $2,400 per couple. Uh, a lot of stores and other jobs are opening back up in, in the next few days. Stores are doing re- curbside delivery already. Uh, but yeah, there is a real need out there, uh, a real need for relief on the grocery side. And then, frankly, there's also members of our vulnerable population, people in their 70s and 80s, that probably shouldn't be going to grocery stores right now. And if there's a safer way to get their food in a drive-through environment, whether it's commercial or nonprofit relief, uh, that's a better way to do that in terms of keeping our most vulnerable uh, Coloradans safe. You've extended the uh, sales tax deadline in Colorado. I want to ask you what your revenue projections are and what your opinion is about the necessity of the federal government providing states some amount of aid to compensate for the crash in revenue so they can deal with their immediate budget situation. We've allowed all filers to delay their payments without penalty uh, for income tax, for sales tax, for property tax uh, for several months. Many of them are doing that. We uh, know that this is a very tough time, both from a cash management perspective as well as from just their ability to even get with their accountant and figure out what they owe. So we've tried to extend all those uh, tax deadlines. Uh, We don't know yet, of course, the full brunt of what this uh, will have in terms of economic impact. Uh, Our own state, from the way our own budget cycle works, will have uh, the budgetary um, projections that come out the second week in May that we'll design a budget around. But we fully expect that that'll likely have to be adjusted up or down during the year because uh, we have very little degree of um, uh, really honing in on exactly what that budget impact will be. How much confidence do you have that Washington will sort this out equitably for the states? Uh, I spoke to Speaker Pelosi today. I'm in regular touch with our representatives and senators. I speak to our federal delegation at least every week. Uh, We're very grateful for the first round of CARES Act, and it looks like they're headed towards a second bipartisan deal that would provide additional relief for uh, some of the local entities and state entities that are really incurring a lot of these expenses on the ground. So we're very hopeful that uh, in the month of May, the National Governors Association, Republicans and Democrats will work with our Congress and the president to be able to get that done. You've provided eviction protection for many Coloradans. How does that work? And does that extend just beyond your authority? Or is that simply something that you can achieve because the courts aren't open to process eviction procedures? Yeah, it was it was essentially achieved in a de facto way during the month of April because in practice our courts are very low priority around evictions. They're uh, functioning at a minimal level. They need to for certain criminal functions. Uh, but yeah, for the month of April and the month of May, uh, Colorado's not processing um, uh, evictions, and obviously that'll resume. But in the meantime, uh, there will not be penalties or interest for those late payments. And uh, we don't want to make the health situation worse, nor do we need to divert our limited judicial and law enforcement capacity to evictions during this two-month period. As some people may know, Colorado and specifically Denver attracts healthcare patients from other states because of its reputation. 
How is your system holding up? Was it ever pushed against that red light blinking that Governor Cuomo talked about so much in New York? I'm sure it wasn't. But what's your overall situation there? And do you have any ongoing concerns about a snapback of COVID either this summer or in the fall? So, you know, yes, we saw a rush of COVID patients. And and, uh, while it's down a little bit, still a lot of COVID patients. I was at Denver Health yesterday, one of our larger Denver hospitals. Uh, Part of what we saw also was a significant decline in the non-COVID patients. I don't think anybody really anticipated that. And that's dangerous in its own right. It means that people weren't going in for if they had, you know, chest pains for heart attacks, for uh, potential cancer. I mean, people were putting those things off. That's not good. I think that happened more than we thought. And I think that um, people underestimated that fear factor that would, you know, probably continue to keep people out of hospitals because they're worried about contracting COVID. Uh, But the while that's dangerous in its own right, it did increase the capacity on the hospital side because I don't think any of us were expecting that significant decrease on the non-COVID side. But that gave us a little bit more breathing room on the COVID side, quite frankly. And what are you planning for or trying to anticipate in the next month, Governor, as your state reopens, as the region around you reopens? What's on your mind? And the cliched question, what keeps you up at night? You know, uh, we've been focused very hard on kind of what May looks like for Coloradans. Uh, April was, you know, stay at home like almost every state. May, uh, we, we still say safer at home. There's no question, you know, you're safest limiting your social interactions. But, you know, stores will be open. Uh, elective medical procedures are back and offices are going in May 4th in a half capacity. So, you know, we're, we're, we're really moving forward. Um, the month of the extreme intervention was critical to bring down that exponential curve. And now we have to manage it, and we have to do it in a way that doesn't overwhelm our healthcare system. Uh, people across the country, across the world, are going to continue, continue to contract COVID-19. We just don't have to make sure that they don't get it all at once in a way that overwhelms our ability to save their lives uh, through top-notch uh, medical care. And last question, how do you balance that out? Because I don't need to tell you, most Americans know this, Colorado is a magnificent destination spot, winter, spring, and summer. That means Coloradans invite lots of other people from lots of other places. How do you balance that interest and that business model against safety for Coloradans and those who may come want to come to the state? Well, yeah, Colorado has world-class mountain resorts, hot springs, uh, skiing, kayaking, uh, whitewater rafting, you name it, we got it. And you know what? Our rivers and our mountains are going to be here long after COVID-19 is over, long after any of us. Uh, so, uh, we know that there'll be a time when we can once again, uh, have a lot of fun in our most amazing outdoor areas, but that day isn't today. It's not tomorrow. And we're all looking forward to it as soon as possible. The voice of Colorado Democratic Governor Jared Polis. That's all for this episode of Debriefing the Briefing. Until next time, I'm Major Garrett in Washington. If you like the takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? 
Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.